Hey everyone, welcome to our first ever podcast for Saints Talk Sex. Where in this episode, we start off with covering topics related to feminism and sex positivity. Alright, let's hear what the Saints have to say. First up, we have Grace, who will be covering feminism and how to bring it up at the dinner table. Hey y'all, it's Grace Waisaki, and today we're going to be talking about feminism. So, what does a feminist look like? Often, society attaches stereotypes to the appearance of feminists, such as ugly, young, hairy women who hate men, but that's a pretty narrow and inaccurate depiction of who feminism encompasses. Firstly, there's no age range to feminism. It's never too late or too early to express the ideas of feminism. Secondly, Beyonce is a feminist, and you could never convince me that she is ugly by any means. Feminists come in all shapes, sizes, colors, and for God's sakes, hair amounts. I can shave my legs and think that we need to dismantle the patriarchy in the same day. And lastly, there's no gender requirement. Men, women, non-binary, transgender, and everyone in between can be feminists. What I'm trying to get at here is that anyone has the ability to be a feminist, including your parents and elders. I'm tired of the excuses that people make regarding the topic of feminism, particularly older white men. You know what I'm talking about when you're trying to have a productive conversation about something as simple as why women should be paid the same amount as their male counterparts for the same work. And your uncle says, well, that's not the way I was raised, or I'm too old to be changing my values. But being a feminist will not lessen your masculinity. In fact, I think real men respect women and consider them as equal. The United States that your parents and elders grew up in was completely different from the country we know today, which means their views on American culture aren't always aligned with ours, and that's okay. But at this point, it's 2021. If you're not adapting to societal cultural changes, then you're living a narrow-minded life. So respectfully, as feminists ourselves, we need to encourage others to be feminists as well even if that means helping them unlearn and relearn what feminism is all about. And today I'm going to be giving you some tips and advice on how to have these difficult conversations. A 2015 article by Gina M. Florio on Bustle.com provides six great tips and ideas to use when talking to your parents about feminism that inspired me to talk about the topic today in our podcast. Firstly, she suggests beginning by casually bringing up women's history in the United States, since schools in the U.S. don't necessarily cover this in depth, and it definitely wasn't covered in depth when your parents were kids. Now, I'm not saying you need to lecture them with all the statistics, but it is important to bring up that 100 years ago, women didn't have the right to vote or own property in the U.S., and the wage gap between men and women still exists today. By discussing this conversationally, it will feel way more comfortable and not confrontational, which I think is very important. Next, Florio encourages bringing up current inequalities that exist in the world, 
especially issues that will hit close to home. Most men in your life, like fathers, would not be okay with the fact that 81% of women experience some form of sexual assault or harassment in their lifetime. Unless, of course, you are in the circumstance of having a parent or relative who has committed such acts towards you, in which another important conversation needs to be had. And no mother or a woman in general wants to hear that for every dollar a man with the same work position as her makes, she makes 78 cents. Make them feel the anger about our society that feminists strive to dismantle. And the last of Florio's tips that I'll be talking about is to relate everything back to you. She writes, the second your parents imagine sexism not as an abstract issue, but as a real-world problem that could leave their daughter mistreated and forgotten, they'll have a harder time being okay with these inequalities. Luckily, I haven't had to use these tactics to speak to my parents as they are feminists themselves. Growing up in a family with two daughters, I have slowly watched my father become a feminist, whether it be supporting my best friend who came out in high school and taking her in as part of our family since her parents were not accepting, to being comfortable enough to buy me tampons if I need them. I mean, he even asked me what size to get. Like, come on. Isn't that just so masculine? Recently, I texted him and asked him a few questions for the podcast and asked, would you consider yourself a feminist? And what does it mean to be a feminist to you? And he responded, yes, I do. Probably because of living with all females and believing in empowerment and self-belief that you can do and be anything you want. Feminism is truly that but also understanding the reality that women are still marginalized and true equality is not a reality. Thus, the battle for feminism is to recognize this and work to reduce and one day eliminate systematic discrimination based on gender. Wow. (laughs) I think it would be an understatement to say that my jaw dropped when I saw his response. So good job, Todd. Ultimately, my point is having discussions with your parents and elders about the importance of being a feminist and an ally can be super beneficial to your and their lives. I see the ways that some of my friends' parents treat them and respond to feminist ideology, and it makes me realize how good I have it to have feminist parents and want that for everyone. Of course, I do have family members who definitely do not identify as feminists, but I'm working on that. So anyway, as a closing remark, I encourage you to talk to your parents and elders about feminism and women's issues, as women's issues are everyone's issues. Keeping up with the same theme that women's issues are everyone's issues, Katie's going to highlight the differences on gender norms between men and women. safe to say that we live in a society that is more accepting of sexuality compared to decades ago. Of course, there is still ignorance and hatred to certain sexualities, especially those in the LGBTQIA community and others that don't quote-unquote fit the norm. However, I still think it's important to see how different genders express their sexuality as an overview and see where some behaviors are different from others, 
by looking at the systems and stereotypes behind them. So today I'm going to explore only two genders, men and women. Let's start with women. Women historically have always been sexualized from the way they speak, dress, work, even as children, which is horrifying to think about. Women have always been a topic of discussion when it comes to sex, marriage, anything that has any sexual part to it. I watched a video the other day, which was about a teenage girl going to school and how she was wearing her uniform, a plaid skirt and a white top. She was saying how she received an appropriate comment from her counterparts and even men walking down the street. This shows the system that has been created that puts women at a lower point in society where they can be spoken to in any way or treated in a certain way because of the way they dress or look. The largest system that contributes to this issue is patriarchy. When we look at patriarchy, it's men having power, men having a voice, men being able to control their surroundings. And this is exactly what women have to do with. Now connecting it back to sexuality, women over the course of many years have broken titles that were given to them by patriarchy. Decades ago, women could only be mothers or teachers and can only stay at home. They couldn't work, couldn't do certain things without their husbands and even have to marry to financially support themselves. However, as time goes by, women have broken these cycles and have created a new definition of feminism. How does this connect to sexuality? As women have broken these titles given to them by patriarchy, they have also broken many rules when it comes to sexuality. Women tend to be more sexual and more fluid when it comes to their sexuality, no matter what kind it is. Now let's look at men. Unfortunately, I can't say the same. A lot of the patriarchal systems and beliefs are still alive today. That men have to stay in the title of a father, provider, worker, or boss. Men can be as fluid as they want, like women can. Men usually aren't as cared for when it comes to sex, safe sex, even relationships because of these stereotypes placed by patriarchy over time. Men can't be as emotional as women, as caring, and they can't carry the quote-unquote feminine traits that women do. Because of patriarchy, men tend to feel less comfortable when it comes to different sexualities. And this is usually because it breaks masculinity and what is defined as masculinity whether it's power, strength, or being cold-hearted. Sexuality doesn't fit in that realm. Sexuality is fluid and is something that is seen more with a tender heart. It's seen as how you are attracted to yourself, how you're attracted to others, how you care for others and yourself. I hope that as a collective, we are able to see these stereotypes and systems that play against men and women and how they play against all sexualities and genders and identities all over the globe. Inform yourselves, look online. There are so many resources, books, articles, even people on the street 
in your building, in your school. They have experiences. Learn about them. Listen to them. And let's change the world and make it a more united place. Let's make it a place where people can express themselves fluently without the judgment, without the weird stares, and without the controversy. That was very interesting, Haiti. Thank you for that. Next up, we will be hearing from Emily, who will be covering how to start a dialogue with your sexual partner. Have you been wanting to try something new in the bedroom, but don't really know how to bring that up to your partner? Or maybe you're just not completely satisfied in your sexual relationship, and again, you don't have the words or know how to express those feelings to your partner? Well, those are both valid experiences. And so it's really important to acknowledge that talking about sex, especially with our partners, might not be the easiest thing in the world to do. It puts us in a really vulnerable space and might cause some feelings of anxiety. However, when we are able to have an open dialogue with our partners about the sex that we're having or that we're going to be having, it really can lead to not only greater sexual satisfaction, but an overall greater satisfaction in our relationship. One of the first steps in being able to have these conversations with our partners is recognizing and reflecting on our own sexual preferences. That means our kinks, our desires, any fantasies that we might have. But you might be wondering, how do I figure out what I want, what I want to try, what I like in bed? There are some tools out there for you to use that can help you identify these things. And they're all online because what the heck isn't online nowadays? And I'm here to share just a few with you that you can use to help you identify your preferences and ultimately help you facilitate a conversation with your partner about the sex you're having. So let's just dive right in. The first tool I'll share with you is actually my favorite of the three that I will be sharing. It is found on a site called Quiver, and you can just do a simple Google search, or you can type in quiver.com, which is q-u-i-v dot r-e dot com. And this is what the site calls an online kink quiz. And if I'm being honest, it gave me BuzzFeed quiz vibes and BuzzFeed quizzes are always fun to do, great time and consumer, and so one of the aspects that I like about Quiver is that it is fun to do. The site, like I mentioned, is super easy to use, and the way it works is the site will generate a bunch of prompts or ideas that you can respond to on a scale from no way to maybe to yes, I am super interested in this, I want to try it and you can respond to as many prompts as you would like. I think I responded to maybe 300, and that really only took me maybe 15 minutes. Um, But depending on what you're into, you can respond to less or maybe even more. And once you have finished responding to as many prompts as you would like, the site will generate a code for you, which you can send to your partner, and then they can go in, respond to as many questions as they would like, And then at the end of all of that, the site will generate a sexual compatibility score that is based on how many preferences you guys have in common. 
so it's really interesting to see kind of what both you and your partner are into and maybe will be willing to try out in bed together so that is quiver in a nutshell and if that doesn't sound of interest to you i will try again with this next tool and i will say if you are someone who enjoys card games i would listen up because this one might be the one for you it is called the orgasm order form and it is created by a site called o school which is a sexual education platform and you can find this just by doing a simple Google search for the orgasm order form, and it will come right up. Pun intended. This tool will encourage you to think about things such as what gets you in the mood, what your turn-ons are, and generally speaking, what you like or dislike during sex. And at the end of the form, the site will generate a deck of downloadable cards, each good for one free consensual sex act that you or your partner can cash in depending on how you choose to play it. So it is like a card game, but with a sexy little twist to it. If I haven't sparked your fancy yet with any of the two previous tools that I've mentioned, I hope this last tool is of interest to you. It is an app, and you can find it right in your app store. It is called X Confessions, and it's really similar to Tinder in that you are swiping left or swiping right. But instead of swiping on potential partners, you are swiping on potential desires or fantasies or just things in general that you might be wanting to try out with your partner. Now, I really liked using this app because, again, there is some aspect of fun to it, just like using Quiver or Tinder. And also just because, I mean, let's be honest, finding new ways to spice up your sex life is exciting. And using this app made it a really validating and positive experience to search for those ideas. Well, folks, those are the three tools that I wanted to share and recommend to you. And while I find them to be great facilitators for conversations about sex, it's understandable that they might not appeal to you or your partner. Even so, I hope you can recognize now that there are many ways and many tools out there for you to use to start these conversations. When I recommended these tools to my friends, I described them as a tool or a form of self-care. Because knowing our bodies and recognizing the things you like and the things that don't really turn you on is in fact a form of self-care. Because being in tune with all of these things can lead you to a place of greater awareness and greater satisfaction in life and in the bedroom. Stay safe, be well, and I encourage you to have conversations about sex with your partner. Those are some awesome tips, Emily. Now we're going to go to Anna with how sex can play into the idea of gender roles. Sex negativity and shaming young women for wanting to have sex or having sexual needs and desires is something that is so harmful to the psyche of young women. Um, as you grow up with that mindset, it sort of becomes internalized and you feel as though you are weird or strange or dirty for having these wants and needs. And I think that sex negativity actually does a lot more harm than good in terms of pregnancy and STDs and all of those things that nobody really wants to talk about. 
In today's podcast, sex positivity will be defined along the lines of your body as your own and having complete control of the decisions you make with your body. And when I discuss feminism, it's defined as the advocacy and beliefs that both men and women should have equal rights and possibilities accessible to them. Before we go into the laws and policies of sex positivity and feminism, I'm excited to introduce to you our guest today on the podcast. She's going to share some experiences and views on feminism and sex positivity, but before, she's going to introduce herself. Welcome to the show, Olivia. Hi, happy to be here. Thank you. Um, Yeah, my name is Olivia, and I'm a junior at St. Lawrence, obviously, and I'm from Hilton Head, South Carolina. So how would you define feminism, Olivia? How has your definition changed over time, and do you have any specific examples, reasons, or anecdotes as to why it's changed um, so far in your life? Well, I think that growing up, I had either a really standard sort of cookie cutter definition of feminism in my head or um, honestly nothing. It was somewhere in between there. Um, I knew that I thought that women should be equal to men, but I, living in the South, saw a lot of gender roles that were extremely traditional um, and very hierarchical. And I just think that that really didn't give me a great idea of what feminism was and what it could be. And then coming here to St. Lawrence, I sort of saw all these really strong young women who were expanding the definitions of feminism and showing me that it wasn't just women's equality. It is so much more than that. It is embracing who you are and your femininity or your lack thereof. And that feminism is truly an intersectional topic and that in order to sort of fight the system of oppression we have to look at all the things that are bringing it down and I think that that's something that I really learned coming here to St. Lawrence. Incredibly well spoken. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Mainly formed and passed by men of power and privilege, these laws discuss abortion, sex toys, sex work, and same-sex marriage. Basically, make a long story short, criminalizing and unilateral healthy sexual relationships and demonizing actions that challenge, that challenge a patriarchal and sex-positive environment. So, just a few examples of some laws. The right to divorce um, came about in 1857, the right to vote, in 1920, right to an equal education with no sex discrimination, which is 1972, and then a year later in 1973 was Roe v. Wade, um, which is the right to an abortion, which has come up very recently, especially in Texas. So slowly over time, laws have begun to shift towards a more feminist perspective outlook, yet there are still great strides that need to take place in order for our society to fully embrace sex positivity and feminist communities. Yet, a lot of these laws have really failed to incorporate and embody a really positive and nurturing environment. For example, same-sex marriage just became legalized in all 50 states in 2015, which when you think about it was really only six years ago, so not so very much super recent. Um, And even today, there's still a lot of discrimination and homophobic behaviors that take place. 
across the country and even locally. So a lot of these laws and policies truly beg the question, why are we criminalizing consensual and healthy relations as well as actions? So long to make a story short, the stigmas that are so that are present and the conversations of sex positivity are really ignored and pushed aside to this day. Along the lines of sex positivity, here we are with Polly, who's going to give us a little information on some vibrators. Vibrators, we've all got a different stigma attached to them. I mean, they seem like a fun time, but the thought of ordering your sexy purple magic bullet to the post office seems terrifying and a turn off. Not to mention, most of the vibrators we've been introduced to look like giant clubs or deemed to be one size fits all shapes. My name is Polly, and I'm here to give you some current information on vibrators and talk about what's available for everybody. Vibrators first came into the public eye in the 1900s when they were used by doctors to cure ailments, many that had nothing to do with sexual arousal. Vibrators, however, were not marketed as erotic toys until closer to the 1970s. So, if you are still feeling nervous about experimenting, just imagine your mom or grandmother, or maybe don't, feeling the same way in the 1970s. Now, in 2021, we are still feeling the same way. Let's break that barrier down. Today, the sex toy industry is at an all-time high. One can purchase vibrators at their local pharmacy, Walmart, through Amazon. I know, I sound like a salesperson, but seriously, you can. Or through sex toy companies who have designed some seriously high-end stuff. Vibrators have been marketed for cis men and women for some years now, implying that certain sizes and shapes are needed to match their products. The toys are often named things like the womanizer or guy braider. It can be daunting, especially for non-binary, gender non-conforming, and trans folks to find something that will work for them too, without having to experience gender dysmorphia or pain with self-pleasure. Luckily, there has been an influx in recent years of vibrators that are marketed as genderless and are designed with non-binary and trans people in mind. A brand named Enby, short for non-binary, but spelled E-N-B-Y, launched their vibrator named The Wildflower, designed to work for all bodies regardless of gender. The company's hope was to create a product that allowed users to, as they said, write their own sexual script, rather than having to conform to one that is predetermined and exclusive. One common sex toy designed for penises is the cock ring. However, many of them are non-adjustable and only certain sized penises can use them. This can be problematic for many penis owners and specifically for trans men who may not have had bottom surgery but are on hormones. There are now adjustable rings specifically designed for trans men so that all penises can enjoy gratification from this type of toy. Another product that is not a vibrator is stackable rings, which a penis can wear so that the depth of penetration can be adapted to fit the vagina's needs. This can be especially helpful for the trans women post-surgery to avoid painful intercourse. Many brands have also started using minimalist designs, neutral colors, and are moving away from the idea that vibrators and sex toys are hot pink, strictly black, and only work for cis men and women. Now, 
I'm not an expert, but I can offer my best advice. That is, when you are first exploring the vibrator market, try to take it slow. Figure out what you think you like first. Chances are there is going to be a product that will fit your needs. Second, I would recommend something on the cheaper side. That way you can get a sense of what you prefer before you invest in something nicer. The caveat to buying a cheaper sex toy, however, is that many contain phthalates, which are damaging chemicals that can leak from vinyl, also known as PVC plastics, and can be harmful in the reproductive system, skin, and organs. So definitely look for something that is listed as phthalate-free, silicone, or non-vinyl. There are also options for wall plug-in vibrators, battery-operated, and also USB-charged devices. So it's important to know what's going to suit your life best. A couple of brands to consider are NB, as I mentioned before, a black and trans-owned shop that is exclusively online. There's also Come As You Are. They are based out of Toronto, but shipped to the U.S. and include a lot of good educational information on their website. I'll also include Shebop. They offer online consultations and shopping appointments, so if you're looking for a little more guidance, Shebop might be a great place to start. And last but not least, Feelmore, a black-owned shop based out of Oakland, California. Feelmore does distinguish a male section for toys, but bases the rest of their collection on purpose, rather than associating the toys with gender. Thank you everyone for tuning in and we hope you learned something new today because I know I did. Join us next time where we will cover topics relating to the LGBTQIA2S plus community.